So this episode's a little bit late coming out. Of course, the election is tomorrow. You may be expecting me to do an election episode. I'm not. I don't think there's really anything that I can add to the election discourse that I haven't either said in the past six months or someone else hasn't said better. I know that the focus of this show is more often than not about American politics and society, so I want to kind of change that up a little bit this week. I want to talk about something that happened in India, but was caused by an American company. I want to talk about Union Carbide and the worst industrial accident in human history. You're listening to Hidden History. I'm Ellis Tucci, and this is episode 91, Bhopal. So let's start out by talking about what exactly Union Carbide is. The Union Carbide Corporation is currently a wholly owned subsidiary of Dow Chemical, but for most of the 20th century, UCC was one of America's industrial giants, in the same league as massive companies like Bethlehem Steel, DuPont, and Ford. Union Carbide was formed in 1917 as the Union Carbon and Carbide Corporation through a merger of Union Carbide and the National Carbon Company. Over the following years, the company, commonly referred to simply as Carbide, would make a name for itself by creating the modern petrochemical industry. UCC continued to grow its fortunes as it completely dominated the market for home gas lamps and eventually would diversify into producing everything from energizer batteries and glad trash bags to rocket fuel and insecticides. But before we get to the main event, let me give you a sense of the kind of company Union Carbide was. There's a town in West Virginia called Alloy. In Alloy, there is a plant which produces ferroalloy, an ingredient in steel. In 1927, Union Carbide wanted to improve their ability to generate power for their plant in Alloy. To do so, they needed to divert West Virginia's new river. That diversion required the construction of the Hawk's Nest Tunnel, a three-mile tunnel that would bring the new river underneath Gauley Mountain. 3,000 men, 75% of whom were black, flocked to the site to secure a job in the midst of the Great Depression. Over the course of construction, workers were tasked with carving out the sandstone tunnel using dynamite, jackhammers, and drills, in the process creating an incredible amount of dust. And while managers visiting the build site always wore them, the 3,000 workers were not given any masks or breathing apparatuses. In fact, they weren't even told that the air in the tunnel was dangerous. But almost immediately, they began to get sick. In the first six months of what would end up being an 18-month project, 80% of the original workers had died, gotten sick, or walked off the job. Those who were sick were forced out of bed at gunpoint. You see, Gauley Mountain is made up of sandstone. And when sandstone is pulverized by dynamite or hammers or drills, it releases silica dust, a key ingredient in the manufacturing of glass. If you breathe in silica dust, then it slices up the inside of your lungs like a razor blade, 
giving you the incurable and deadly disease silicosis. Martin Cherniak, an expert on the Hawk's Nest Tunnel disaster and author of the book The Hawk's Nest Incident, America's Worst Industrial Disaster, estimates that because of the willful negligence of Union Carbide, as many as 764 people died. Many were buried in unmarked graves with no attempt made to notify their family. Five years later, in 1936, the House of Representatives held a hearing to investigate conditions at Hawk's Nest. And though they found that workers had been denied breathing equipment, denied breaks to take in fresh air, and forced to work at gunpoint, they took no legal action against Union Carbide, which described the witness testimony as, quote, slanderous rumors and hearsay, refusing to admit even a single case of silicosis. It probably helped that the doctors under the influence of Union Carbide incorrectly filled out the death certificates of many of the victims, listing the cause of death as tuberculosis in order to help the company cover its ass. Now, that book title I gave you pins Hawk's Nest as America's worst industrial disaster. But of course, it's not the main event of this episode. Union Carbide absolutely oversaw the worst industrial disaster in American history but they've done even more damage abroad. Union Carbide is simultaneously responsible for the worst industrial accident in America and the worst industrial accident in the world. In 1934, Union Carbide entered into a joint venture with the Indian government to create Union Carbide India Limited, and in 1977, UCIL, as it was known, built a chemical plant in the city of Bhopal to produce an insecticide called Seven, spelled S-E-V-I-N. The scientific name for Seven is Carbaryl, and it's currently one of the most popular pesticides in the United States. The production of Carbaryl requires the use of methyl isocyanate, a colorless, highly poisonous gas, also known as MIC. Union Carbide was overly optimistic with its design for the plant, and imagined that if it designed a facility to produce more seven than was needed, it could induce demand to sell its excess product. That was not the case, and almost immediately Union Carbide was operating its Bhopal plant significantly under capacity, with the demand trending continually downwards. By the time 1982 arrived, sales of seven were only half of the plant's production capacity. By 1984, that number would sink still lower to a fifth. In response, Union Carbide began to rapidly fire the highly trained skilled laborers who staffed the plant, and replaced the previous manager who had prioritized safety with a new company man who prioritized, above all else, saving Union Carbide money. With the plant still bleeding funds while basically running on a skeleton crew, UCC identified that the next area of cuts would come from the maintenance budget. The frequency of safety checks fell by half, broken equipment wasn't replaced, and Union Carbide began to downgrade the plant's infrastructure, replacing expensive but durable stainless steel parts with cheap and unreliable substitutes. While for Union Carbide's plants in the U.S. and Europe, safety audits happened every year, everywhere else, for some strange reason, they only happened every two. 
but it just so happened that the design for the Bhopal plant was based on another UCC plant in Institute, West Virginia. In September 1984, as a result of one of those safety checks, internal memos about the West Virginia plant showed that Union Carbide engineers were concerned that a number of problems in the plant's design could cause a catastrophic release of deadly MIC into the surrounding area. Those memos were never sent to staff in Bhopal, and so it was only two months later that what engineers feared might have happened in an American town of 1500 actually happened in an Indian city of 782,000. Late on the night of December 2nd, 1984, thanks to years of deferred maintenance and an unsafe pipe cleaning method, water trickled into one of the MIC holding tanks, beginning an uncontrollable reaction with the toxic chemical. Accelerated by the presence of iron thanks to the cheap corroding steel pipes, pressure in a holding tank E610 began to build. By 11 p.m., pressure in the tank had climbed from 2 psi to 10 psi. The supervisors simply assumed it was an instrument malfunction. Half an hour later, plant workers began to feel the effects of MIC exposure, burning eyes and skin, chest pain, and coughing. They located a small MIC leak at 11.45 p.m. and immediately reported it to the appropriate supervisor, who then decided that they would only deal with the deadly chemical leak after taking a half-hour-long tea break. All the while, conditions in the holding tank continued to deteriorate at a faster and faster rate. At 12.40 a.m. on December 3rd, the situation inside tank E610 reached a critical state. Pressure and temperature quickly became too high for the plant's equipment to even measure. The concrete slab that contained the holding tanks began to crack as the toxic gas began venting into the atmosphere. Over the course of the next two hours, approximately 40 tons of methyl isocyanate escaped into the air of Bhopal. At 12.50 a.m., the plant sounded the alarm that would trigger an immediate evacuation of the facility. Normally, it would have also triggered an external alarm, alerting the tens of thousands in the surrounding slums to the impending danger. But Union Carbide had disconnected the alarms. It was only after 2 a.m. when the leak had finally stopped that the public alarm began to ring. Unsurprisingly, it was far too late. People had already begun dying in the streets from MIC exposure, and the lack of communication from the plant meant that nobody knew how much gas there was or where it was going. In the chaos, hundreds ran to the Bhopal train station, which lay in the immediate path of the deadly cloud. By the next morning, it was filled with corpses. Hundreds more would die in their sleep or collapse in the street, spending their last moments desperately searching for safety. The next day, not only were the streets of Bhopal filled with lifeless corpses, but every cat, dog, horse, cow, tree, flower, and blade of grass surrounding the plant had dropped dead. The bodies of Bhopal's dead were so numerous that they were burned or buried in mass graves. Almost immediately, the police began to dump bodies in the river. As a result of these practices, we've never gotten an accurate death count, but estimates range between 3 and 16 
thousand people. I'm going to say that again because I think that bears repeating. 16,000 people. So at the very beginning of this episode, I called Bhopal the worst industrial accident in human history, which is true. But looking back on the chronology of events, does this really seem like an accident to you? Like someone just made an oopsie? Now, I'm not saying that some hotshot junior executive who looks like Bob Morton from Robocop went into a Union Carbide boardroom one day and said, hey, let's murder 16,000 people. But to me, an accident is your playing catch in the house and you accidentally break your mother's favorite vase. But this is like, if you had a house of cards and you said to yourself, now I don't want this house of cards to fall down, but I want to see how many cards I can take out. When it finally collapses, could you honestly say to yourself, Wow, I did not see that one coming. I did not predict that as a possible consequence of my actions. At Bhopal, not only did Union Carbide intentionally sabotage efforts to maintain the plant, but they also actively dismantled the security apparatuses that would have prevented the MIC leak. There was a cooling system for the holding tanks, meant specifically to slow down and stop the type of reaction that took place in tank E610. But in 1982, Union Carbide shut it down. And in 1984, they removed the Freon from the remaining system. As the temperature inside E610 grew hotter and hotter, it should have sounded alarms in the plant control room, but Union Carbide had disconnected those alarms years ago. There was a vent gas scrubber, which neutralizes poisonous gases that escape through the emergency pressure release valve, but the vent gas scrubber had been deactivated. And even if it had been active, it wasn't supplied with enough caustic soda to stop a significant emergency release. And last but not least, there was a flare tower. You know those big towers that you see at oil refineries and also the intro to Blade Runner that are just constantly shooting up a jet of flame? The Bhopal flare tower had been completely disconnected. Union Carbide was playing fast and loose with something that had the distinct possibility of being a massively deadly chemical weapon. And I think that it would be very easy to take this case and use it to paint UCC as a uniquely evil company. But although that might be a comforting conclusion, it's not a true one. Again, we call these types of things industrial accidents, but they're not accidents. They're calculated responsibilities justified by a potential for profit. Union Carbide did not set out with the intention of making an unsafe plant. They set out to make a profitable one. And as a result, the capitalistic drive to maximize profits over all else dictates that that workplace becomes unsafe. The executives at Union Carbide were not stupid. They didn't think that nothing bad could possibly happen if they stripped a dangerous chemical plant of all of its safety measures. They always knew that something like Bhopal was a possible outcome. But to them, the reward of cutting costs was well worth the risk of an event that would kill 16,000 people. And I'm not talking about this because I have a bone to pick with the term industrial accident. What I want to do is convince you that there is another layer of analysis beyond Union Carbide did a bad thing. I want to convince you of a systemic 
argument that these things happen and will continue to happen, not because of a group of people who are by nature bad, but because we have an overarching economic system that motivates people to behave recklessly and do bad things. There was nothing uniquely evil about Warren Anderson, the CEO of Union Carbide at the time of Bhopal, but the system of capitalism motivated him to make increasingly risky decisions in the pursuit of short-term profits. In the end, it is impossible to have justice for Bhopal. Once someone's dead, there can be no justice for them. Justice is being alive. But to add insult to injury, Union Carbide refused to acknowledge any responsibility in the disaster, saying that water was added to tank E610 as a deliberate act of sabotage, and not by the unsafe pipe cleaning operation they had performed earlier on that day. They maintained that Union Carbide India Limited, while being majority owned by UCC, was an autonomous entity, and so Union Carbide could not be held responsible for the disaster. Eventually, in 1989, after significant legal battles in both Indian and American courts, UCC agreed to pay a settlement of $470 million. For context, in 1989, UCC reported third-quarter earnings of $2.08 billion. In 1991, authorities in Bhopal charged CEO Warren Anderson with manslaughter and formally requested that the United States extradite him to India for a trial. The United States refused. Oh, and that plant in West Virginia that Union Carbide was concerned about? The one Bhopal based its design off of? In 1985, a gas leak from UCC's Institute West Virginia plant sent 200 people from the surrounding town to the hospital. I know this is a little bit different. I, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. And this is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History. Signing off.